Hey friends, it's season five of the official Do Good Better podcast, and every Thursday we'll be releasing a pair of interviews with some amazing nonprofits talking about their awesome impact in the communities they are in. We'll talk about some challenges they've faced and chat about their best tips and tricks that might just help your organization do good better. Hey, enjoy these mini episodes of inspiration that make a major difference in the lives of those served by these incredible nonprofits. Hey, did you just have a meeting with a donor and they told you something really, really important and you have no place to put it except for like maybe an Excel spreadsheet or, a, I don't know, a random piece of paper in your office? Go to DonorDoc.com. Get a CRM system that works. Get a donor database system that works. Get something that gives you beautiful reports and beautiful dashboards that even your crankiest board member will love. Go to DonorDoc.com. Use the code word do good better at checkout and get a month free. DonorDoc.com. Choosing a partner to help you achieve success in your business or personal finances is a big decision. You need a devoted advisor who's experienced and attentive and invested in helping you accomplish your goals. Hey, you know what that sounds like? Brady Martz. Brady Martz knows that you've got a lot of options to choose from, but we're confident that Brady Martz is the right accounting firm for you. they got more than a half a century of experience making everyday count through tax, accounting, audit, and business advisory services. So... Contact Brady Marts to learn more about their unique solutions that they can provide you and your nonprofit. Your organization is awesome, but sometimes you want to be even awesomer. It's time to get your fundraising on with your host, fundraising expert and author, Patrick Kirby. Absolutely. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kirby. And of course, we talk with people who are going to help our small and medium-sized nonprofits do good better. And sometimes that help comes in the form of other people working at small and medium-sized nonprofits like our guest today. Uh, she is the helpline director over at First Link. Her name is Chrissy Hollerman. Chrissy, welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I'm super excited to be here. Now, I know all about First Link because I'm obsessive compulsive sort of following you. <laughs> on uh, what you do and the good that you do in the community. But if somebody's on Stitcher or Spotify or iTunes or YouTube and they come across here in the first link, very interested, don't know what they do, why don't you give people a 5,000-foot view of who you are, what you do, and why we're talking today? Absolutely. So first, like, we have a lot of different hats. I think the easiest way to think about it is that we provide phone-based services. And now what that looks like varies on a bunch of different levels. So first and foremost, we do answer the 211 helpline for all of North Dakota. So what that means is you can call that if you want to, if you're having a bad day, if you're stressed, maybe you don't have anyone else to talk to, or even if you do, maybe you're sick of talking to the same people, you can call us at 211 for listening and support. We also have a database of over, I think, close to 6,000 resources throughout the state. So those are programs, you know, that can be very useful that don't get a ton of promotion because they're also nonprofits. They don't have the marketing budget to be the top search in Google, right? So that you call us and we have that database. And so that's another option that you have in calling us. And then we also answer for crisis calls. So you can call 211 if you're feeling like in crisis, having a panic attack, uh, maybe you're feeling suicidal. You can also call a number of our other lines, including the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which we do also answer for all of North Dakota and then parts of Minnesota as well. 
And then we also answer after hours for a number of crisis agencies. So those are agencies like all of the human service centers throughout, um, you know, North Dakota. And then we answer for like rape and abuse crisis center, the counseling centers throughout the uh, North Dakota university system. We answer for the military service center and uh, do answering for Blue Cross Blue Shield, the Medicaid expansion, and then also our Region 4, which is in a part of Minnesota. So that's in a nutshell. We, we do a lot of different things for a lot of different people, but we hope to be that first link to link people to those connections where they need them and when they need them most. An easier way to consider is like a, a shorter list of things that you don't answer uh, is actually <laughs> yeah. probably... Uh, a way to start too, because it's just incredible on where you are a hub of information and a yes. hub for a lot of uh, organizations, but specifically those who just are need somebody to chat with. And um, I would imagine over the course of the last couple of years that the need for your services has grown exponentially based on, I think, everybody's general mental wellness and mental well-being. Is that something that you've experienced across the board? Yeah, yeah. We had um, from 2000, well, I don't know from 2020, but from 20, um, or I'm sorry, I don't know from 2019 to now, but from 2020 to 2021, we've had uh, close to 10,000 more calls in our call volume overall. So right now we're um, annually, we're about 83,000 calls, um, which is, you know, that's an incredible increase for, we're organizationally, we're a group of under 30 people um, that are here 24 seven, making it run. Um, so that's, you know, that's a pretty considerable one. Uh, we've had an increase in suicide calls as well. I think people are talking about it more. The isolation has brought that out for people. Um, but even with that increase of, you know, I think it's like around 15,000 calls we had last year related to suicide, we've had to dispatch less. Um, so we do that less than a hundred times in a year, uh, which says that we're able to do a lot of safety planning for people, which is wonderful because people are fearful that if they say they're having suicidal thoughts, that that means we're going to send someone out immediately or that police have to be involved or that it has to, you have to go to a hospital and that's not necessarily the case, right? So we're trained to be able to assess the risk and help make a safety plan at a lower level of intervention. And I think the pandemic has, by being isolated, has push people a little bit more um, to their phones than ever before. And we can be an option for that human connection. I think that's one of the best things about that is it's reducing the stigmatism, the stigma of calling, mm-hmm. walking yourself through whatever you've got as mental gymnastics you have in your brain. And that's a great first step, which is really, I think, super important. And I'm sure between 83,000 phone calls you've had over the course of the couple of years uh, is uh, there are probably some really great stories that keep you motivated as somebody who is directing 30 people who are answering you know, phones constantly. Uh, is there one story that say, all right, the, the, the grind of doing this every single day and the type of calls that we're getting is probably jarring and probably a little overwhelming to some people. Is there one story that kind of keeps you motivated to go, but this is the reason why we do it, that you remind yourself of when the going gets toughest? Yes. Oh, well, there's, there's a lot of stories, but there's one that has been carrying with me, um, you know, for, for a long time. And it's, it's a type of story, I guess I'll say just to keep confidentiality for all of our callers. Cause we you know, take that seriously. We do get, um, you know, callers who call us and they're at their, their kind of their last moment. They've made a lot of plans. So these are people who are ready to die by suicide. And they said, I called you because I just, this is my last, my last step before 
before I do it. And what's so remarkable is so often, in fact, in every call I've had like that, we've been able to get them to a place where they're safe, get them to a place where they feel heard, they feel understood, and they're able to be safe for that night. And then even call us back. Like sometimes they can't disassemble if they've gotten things ready. They're not ready to take care of all of those steps. They call us back so we can be with them on the phone when they're doing that. Mm -hmm. And that kind of impact to know that somebody was ready to leave this world in such a dark place and stay because we were able to talk to them, that, that pushes through, you know, like uh, 50 hard weeks and that'll get you through, you know? So, so those kind of stories and knowing that, that we do that, that we impact lives in that way is, is so meaningful. Uh, speaking of challenges, I think that your organization probably faces a, a lot of them, uh, especially during a, uh, a pandemic when you are in person, answering phones, being responsible for a whole bunch of things. Is there one particular challenge that you have had as an organization and how on earth did you get out of it? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is this is more of like an ongoing one. I think it's been felt more strongly in the last year or so, last couple of years, which is that our staff understandably experience feelings of compassion, fatigue, and burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're doing is, is heavy, hard stuff. So absolutely they would. So organizationally, what we've shifted our focus on is how do we support staff wellness? What things can we do internally that help them be able to do this hard and meaningful work? And some of that we're still evolving and figuring out, but some things that we've found to be successful are really removing the stigma for our staff that it's okay that that happens in in an emotionally intense and a high emotional labor job. Absolutely, you're going to have compassion fatigue probably weekly. And so the steps you can take to address that, normalizing that that is okay, communicating that, making it a safe work environment to share that. Um, we do some more fun things, you know, internally to try to keep up um, morale because sometimes in all that hard stuff, you need to find reasons to laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll do things like um, a hopscotch on the floor, um, like with masking tape or uh, thankful Thursday on the whiteboard. It is thankful Thursday today on the whiteboard so that we can think of things that we're thankful for and kind of see that collective we've done. um we did a game night, which was incredibly fun. Um, sometimes it's it's playing um, like a like a, a round of categories when we're happen to be off the phones long enough just to do one, um, just to have that little moment of joy. Um, so different initiatives like that have been things that we've allowed to uh, offset a little bit some of that burnout. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, one of the. The biggest challenge is regardless of what industry you are in or what what individuals or groups that you serve in the nonprofit realm is, I think everybody has that empathetic burnout, which yeah. is something that I think is very challenging to nonprofit leaders and do-gooders alike, which is, this is my person. I am supposed to be empathetic and all of a sudden I'm not. Mm-hmm. That's an issue. Um, and I think that that light that we want in the world is always necessary. So anything we can do to restore that or keep it from fading out completely uh, is so super important. And as you are on the phone all the time um, and as you are um, sort of front line, I think a lot of nonprofit leaders who have to pick up the phone, who have to um, be front facing for either donors or sponsors or whatever, are always looking for a tip and a trick on how to deal with phone 
stuff. Is there a tip or a trick that you can give uh, for our nonprofit friends who are terrified of the phone? Because we think that this is something that we don't need to use anymore. It's email everything. But the phone is classic and it's making a return. And it's it's really where you can make a lot of effort if you can't be in person. Is there a tip or trick that you can give our nonprofit friends on phone use? Yes. Um, you know, honestly, it is it's it's like recognizing that there's some anxiety. Like before I came into this role, I was someone who was like, oh, do we need to talk on the phone? Um, but just doing it, just starting the process. And I would recommend if you're if you're a little unfamiliar, it's been a while since maybe you've used the phone, maybe you've never really used phone calls, uh, probably try someone that you trust first in case it's a little clumsy, but you get into the rhythm. You start to find ways to connect that way. So it honestly only takes like a couple calls, maybe two or three before you're in a good, like, okay, I can just connect with this person. You get quite a bit from tone. You get quite a bit from um, just what you're bringing to, to with your energy. Like people can pick up on, on how you're feeling in a lot of ways. And, and that's surprised me a bit when they can't see us, but sometimes they'll be able to tell that we're smiling. Um, so those are just really cool connections. So, so just taking the leap and, and forcing yourself through the thing you're pushing off in that phone call can help alleviate that anxiety around the phone call. Honestly, that's one of the best pieces of practical advice we've had on the show uh, that is so needed to hear from others who are so nervous about doing something that we have been doing forever and gotten so used to sending a text, sending an email, and the amount of motion and enthusiasm and joy you can spend over the phone I think is going to be the new frontier on how you fundraise and how you uh, build better relationships with your donors. And speaking of donors and fundraising, how on earth does somebody give a boatload of money or volunteer or just get connected with First Link? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people who want to after this interview. How do people do it? Yeah, absolutely. So the best way to reach us is going to be by going to our website, which is myfirstlink.org. And right on that front page, once you get there, it's going to have everything you need. So it's got like about us, it has like our events and trainings, and then there's a pretty little button that says donate hmm. in blue. So you can click on that and then donate if you'd like to. And then a good thing to know about that as well is that is also where our community directory is. So if you'd, if you'd like to look up resources, if you're still working up to the phone call phase, you can still see what we have out there in our community directory as well. Well, if you paid attention, Chrissy just gave you the best piece of practical, uh, best practices piece of information, which is put your donate button at the top of the page so people can use it. <laughs> so if you don't have that, that's another great uh, tip. You didn't even know you were giving that out. I know. Uh, that's, how, that's how great it is. Uh, Chrissy, thank you so much for what you do. Um, we're going to drop all of those links in the show notes so that people can uh, both get in touch with you. Um, they can reach out if they have any uh, questions about how to donate. But more importantly, if they are uh, just need somebody to talk with as well, there's a bunch of links on there. Um, and so I just encourage everybody to go do that. I also encourage you, if you like this episode and the ones like it, you should go to iTunes or Spotify or YouTube and go like this page. Go subscribe. Give a giant five-star review. Why not? We have five-star guests just like Chrissy Hollerman over at First Link. So you should also match that uh, and then go immediately to uh, their website, go donate. And uh, wanted to thank you for what you do. And mostly, thank you so much for being a guest on the official Do Good Better podcast. Thank you so much.
Look, as someone who listens to the show, you know that I love helping small and medium-sized nonprofits. That's why we bring on the awesome experts and guests that get to talk to you about how to make your organization more awesome. So I've got a deal for you. I would like to help you. I would like to work with you. So if you're go to dogooduniversity.com, that's dogooduniversity.com, and you register for one of the courses, I'm going to send you my best-selling book, Fundraise Awesome, or a practical guide to staying sane while doing good for free, because I really want you to do amazing work. Listen, dogooduniversity.com. Go pick out something, whether it's a board training or a gratitude training or whatever webinar you want to choose. Um, Use the promo code podcast. Take 25% off of anything that you purchase. And I'm going to throw in a book as well because I want you to do awesome. I want you to do awesomer. And I want you to do good better. Go to dogooduniversity.com today. 